And if I was Catlin, I'd probably say some of you might die before we get out of Romans 8.13. No. We're going we're gonna to camp here on this verse. I told you that last week. We're going to camp here on this verse for three or four weeks. Thanks, bud. Let me just read that, and then we'll jump in to the subject of killing the sin within. That's the title for this little mini-series here, Killing the Sin Within. Paul wrote, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit... You put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Last last week, we really talked about the different phrases in that verse, in the previous verse, verse 12. Cleared up any potential, hopefully, misunderstandings about what this verse is saying. Now I want to just jump into the concept of putting to death the deeds of the body, or stated another way, killing the sin within. I don't know where all of you are at, group this size, I know that there are going to be people in a wide range of positions and understandings related to how you view the sin within the believer. And that's what I'm specifically talking about, the sin within the believer, killing the sin within the believer. So to illustrate the various uh, opinions, uh, understandings. I want to give you some characters, some cartoon characters, and just ask you to think through this as I explain them. Is this in some way my position related to the sin within as a believer? And by the way, Let me say this, at some level, to some degree, everyone, every believer in this room has some degree of deception related to the sin within them. There is no one here that truly sees the sin within them as a believer the way God does. That's the true picture, the way God sees it. Some of us have a clearer understanding than others. But all of us need to grow in a vision of clarity, of divine clarity related to the reality of this 
relationship of sin and the believer. Maybe you are like Eeyore regarding the sin within. You know Eeyore? Oh, well. Probably going to just sin anyway. It's really not anything I can do about it. Why even bother? Right, Eeyore? See, Eeyore has a fatalistic view. If you're Eeyore, you have a fatalistic view of sin. And here's how you see it. You see that you are outmatched. And therefore, you are despondent and discouraged. You don't see even the value of talking about the battle. So some of us are like Eeyore Christians. Others of us are like Tigger. You know Tigger, right? The wonderful thing about Tigger is that Tigger is a wonderful thing. Tigger loves to bounce. Right? Tigger was made for bouncing, right? Tigger just bounces everywhere Tigger goes. The people around Tigger are not all as enthusiastic about his bouncing. (laughs) But it doesn't bother Tigger. At time, Tigger bounces through somebody's life and really makes a mess. But bouncing is just what Tiggers do, right? Some Christians related to their sin are like Tigger Christians. I mean, it's like this. Yeah, I have some rough spots or maybe a, a rough spot in my personality or the way that I come across, but I'm just being me. I'm just being me. It's just who I am and what I do. And like Tigger, we console ourselves when we mess up somebody else's life saying, well, it's just a part of how God made me. Some of us are like Tigger Christians. Some of us are like the rabbit. You know the rabbit in 40 Acre Wood? The rabbit that is planned out and prepared and busy and disciplined and engaged and thinking ahead. The rabbit that is proactive and structured and has done well living that Discipline out. And the rabbit Christians are 
pretty proud of how they're living it out. They have most of the answers. Not only for themselves, they have a good plan for everybody else. Like, God loves you and I have a wonderful plan for your life, right? The rabbit Christians. You see, the rabbit Christian is... Yeah, there's other ways to do things, but here, as I look at my life and I see Eeyore and Tigger, I am way above Eeyore and Tigger. And they view themselves this way instead of viewing themselves this way. And to a rabbit Christian, yet do do I need the grace of God? Yeah, I need. I mean, I need the grace of God. I I don't expect that I can just get to heaven on my own. But man, I've really helped God out. See, the rabbit Christian would say, a daily con. Aggressive, battle, killing sin in my life. Yeah, there's some things that I could change. I'm not perfect, but I mean, is it war an all-out war? I'm not sure. Or maybe you have some of the characteristics of the poo, Winnie the Pooh. What is Winnie the Pooh's problem? He loves honey. He can't say no to honey. When the effluvium of the honey wafts through the air and up into his nostrils. He is gripped and caught and drawn. Winnie the Pooh Christians can, like Winnie the Pooh, be great-natured, easy to get, along with, fun to be around. They're really kind, not hurting anybody else, but they have that one thing. They have that hidden honey pot. Where are you at? Related to your understanding of, if you're a believer here this morning, where are you at related to your understanding of the sin within? We're going to talk about a basic overview of what is the reality of the sin within. Before I do that, 
I want to start here after this introduction, and I want to tell you how not to try to kill the sin within. I want to say this as a, as a warning. I want to state this as a principle so that we can try to keep this in our minds as we go through the weeks of this series that if you are hearing me say any of the things that I'm about to say right now, then you're misunderstanding me. So here's the way not to kill the sin within. Some ways that have been basically promoted down through Christian history. We could define one of them by using the word formula or method. You know, we just need a, a, we just need a method. I need a, something that I haven't ever been told yet before, a, a way to do this, and that, man, if you just figure out this way right here, it's going to be like a weapon that is fatal against sin in your life. And once you get a hold of it, man, it's... Nah. Victory's going to be yours. That's the method. Very similar to that is a formula. Like you take these six steps in these in this sequence and consistently do them, you're going to get guaranteed the end result. Folks, it doesn't work that way. Another way that at times is promoted, I was on the receiving end of this growing up. This can come through like this in the very conservative uh, evangelical camp, which I was a part of, or it can be the same concept strapped in a different package, but it has the same, some of the same uh, essence to it in the charismatic camp. And the concept is this. There is an experience that you need. There's an experience that you need. And once you have this experience, you're winning the battle. Once you have this experience, transformation takes place and you live on top of it instead of under it. Whether it is called entire sanctification or whether it's called uh, a baptism of the Spirit that is in that moment, it's all over. Victory assured. Now let me just give you a qualifier here. And if you've been here at this church for, let's say, a year, a year and a half, you have heard a lot of preaching on this through series, the mini-series that we've done on the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. 
We are dead without the Holy Spirit. We would never have come to life without the Holy Spirit. We need Him every moment of every day for all that we do for God, every bit of what we do. Absolutely hopeless without Him. But it's not an one moment with him and you never are in the battle anymore. If we just thought about that, about the, his, the, the examples in scripture about men who were powerfully filled with the spirit, anointed with the spirit, used mightily of God, and then we find them in the gutter of gross sin. It's not a one moment deal. That's why Paul here says, put to death. And the Greek is, I told you this last week, it's the present tense. It means that this is something that you are to be at doing All the time, continuously, relentlessly, not intermittent until you draw your last breath. So it's not a formula or method. It's not just one experience. And it's not legalism. It's not legalism. You don't put to death the deeds of the body. You don't kill the sin within by you being really, really, really religious. By you crossing every I and dotting every T. By doing all of your spiritual calisthenics and by disciplining yourself to the extreme and on and on. That does not guarantee the killing of sin. You know some examples of history that would validate that. Martin Luther. Martin Luther sought to do that very thing. He sought to mortify the deeds of the flesh. And he did that aggressively and relentlessly. As a priest in the Roman Catholic Church, And by his testimony, do you know what he says at the end of the day there? He says, the battle is still raging in me. George Whitfield almost killed himself seeking to kill by his own effort the sin in him. Cannot be done through religious effort. Thank the Lord that both of those men came to the end of themselves. 
and found the gospel of Jesus Christ. If I remember it right, I'm pulling this, my memory is pretty scary for me to try to say something up here from memory, but um, I, if I remember that right, I think Luther was climbing the steps in one of his spiritual exercises as he's walking up the steps. He, the verse in his mind, the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. So we don't kill sin legalistically in our effort. We don't kill sin monastically by drawing away from the world and renouncing all physical pleasures and cloistering up alone to try to become spiritual. It's not how we kill the sin within. And there's not a pill I can give you and a magic formula that I can give you, but there's truth here for you. And what we're going to do is we're going to spend the next three weeks or so trying to unpack that. But what that's going to require is that because it is not any of those things, I cannot just go and say, here are the three things that you need to do and just kind of dump truck that on you because it will end up actually potentially damaging you instead of helping you. Because what is so necessary is that you understand the principles and the internal workings that have to be a part of the killing of the sin within, not just the few things that you have to actually do. You have to come at it in the right way with the right understanding Or the activity of killing the sin within will not actually kill any sin and it will actually be dangerous for you. So I'm going to give you some principles, some preparatory work, some understanding of truth that you have to sift the killing of sin through. Like we could say, I could say it like this. Without these principles, there will be no killing of sin in your life. Unless you work at it based upon that platform. I could just, if I could remember and you could remember and you've been here through Romans. I've said this many times sanctification, that's the killing of the sin within. It's a part of what that is. That sanctification is the key to that is understanding who you are in Christ, understanding what has truly been done to you when you were united to Christ, when you were placed in Christ, what the reality of your existence now is. It is that, Paul says, that you have to understand, that you have to reckon with the truth of that. 
Romans chapter 6. And it's only when you grasp that truth that you are united to Christ, that you died with Him, that you rose with Him, that you're now seated with Him in the heavenly realms, that you're going to be able to get onto the platform in which the killing of sin can be done. So here's the first question I want to ask and answer this morning. Who should be killing sin? Who? And the first half of that answer is this. Only followers of Christ. Now that may sound pretty weird. That I'm saying only followers of Christ should be engaged in the killing of sin within. Why do I say that? Because several things are true about the one who is truly saved, who is justified, that is not true about anybody else. Colossians chapter 3. I'm going to read verse 1, verse 3, and verse 5 of Colossians chapter 3. Describing written to a believer, a group of believers, a group of justified men and women. Paul writes, If you then have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Verse 3, For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Verse 5, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. Do you see that that subject there is about the killing of sin within? And it's prefaced by being raised with Christ. And it's prefaced by having died and been hidden with Christ. You see... Only believers in Christ. Here's why only believers should be about killing the sin within. Because only believers in Christ were crucified with him. Only believers in Christ were crucified with Christ. And I don't have the time to re-preach that concept that we've been on several times since Romans chapter 5. But the reality there is... When you accepted Jesus as your Savior, when you in faith completely trusted in His meritorious, sacrificial work on the cross in dying for your sin, that the Spirit of God took you and He crucified you with Christ. He placed you into Christ, into a union with Christ. And that union is so real. That union is... Now, so much a part of your existence that here's what's true of you. He died to sin, so did you. That's how real, it's not, not some theory, not just for you to try to think 
and motivate you toward not sinning. No, the reality is, as the Father looks at you, He's declared you to be righteous because you are in Christ, meaning you're in union with Him in such a way that the death He died to sin, you died to sin as well. And believers are the only people on the planet that that is true of. And you have to first die to sin before you can kill it in yourself. If your sin has not been crucified with Christ, then you cannot be killing the sin within. The second truth about believers and the reason that only believers should be killing the sin within is that only believers have been raised with Christ. You see, we weren't only crucified with him, but that union means, again, what is true of him is true of us. What's true of him, he died to sin. What's true of him, he rose on the third day in victory, just like he said that he would. And the death he died to sin, he's not going to die anymore. He's no longer in the realm of sin's reign and dominion anymore. He's resurrected into a new reality, into a new kingdom, under a new set of rules. And we in Christ, because we're in him, we are resurrected like he is into a brand new reality. You see, you have to be alive to engage in the killing of sin. And until you accept Christ, you're dead. You're dead in sin. Thirdly, the reason that only believers should be killing sin within is because only believers are at peace with God. Only believers are at peace with God. Why is that important? You see, before salvation, before a person places their faith in Christ and the Spirit of God takes the the atoning work of Jesus Christ and applies it on their behalf and takes them and places them in union with Christ eternally, that before that happened, they were not at peace. They were at enmity with God. I was. I was a rebel against my God. I wanted the throne of my life. And God wanted the throne of my life. And what that did is that it put me in a battle with God. Not at peace with Him, but at war with Him. So that if I am, as an unbeliever, at enmity with God, at war with God. Can I ever please Him in any way? Can I ever submit to His law? Romans chapter 8, verse 8. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Impossible. Impossible. There is not one unsaved person of history that has ever in any degree, at any 
time killed any sin within. They are as hopeless of doing that as the blind is of seeing and the deaf is of hearing and the dead are of sensing and feeling. Fourthly, why only believers should be killing the sin within? Because only believers have the spirit of the living God dwelling within. When we accept Christ, I've said this many times, but it is a truth that you could meditate upon for the rest of your life. That the Spirit of God, when He places us into Christ at justification, He comes and sets up His home in us. The eternal, omnipotent God sets up His home in us, dwells in us. and only in those who have placed their faith in Christ. And therefore, what happens in the midst of that is that as the, as the Holy Spirit comes within, the Holy Spirit is going to strike up a battle with what is unholy. And the sin within is unholy so that the Spirit of God cannot live with a roommate at peace with a roommate that is absolutely against everything that he is for. Here's the second answer to the question, who should be killing the sin within? Not only is it only followers of Christ, but here's the real truth I want to get into your hearts this morning. It is every follower of Christ. Every follower of Christ should be killing the sin within. There is not one of us in here that is justified that does not desperately need to be killing the sin within I'm going to read you I'm going to make a couple of statements and read you some verses tagging them to that statement to draw out its truth that speaks to if you're a believer that speaks to the reality of what is taking place in your life why should every single follower of Christ be killing the sin within? First and foremost, because sin still remains in every single follower of Christ. First John 1.8, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. That's, that's pretty direct, isn't it? Let me give you one from the Old Testament that my wife just showed me this morning. Surely there is not a righteous man on earth who does good and never sins. Ecclesiastes 7.20. 
The fact of the matter is that sin still remains. That's why we should be killing it. But it doesn't just remain. Number two, the follower of Christ should be killing sin within because sin is active. It's not just resident there. It's active there. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely. Let me read that again. Let us also lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. You see, sin not only remains in your life as a follower of Christ, as a true believer, but that it is active and intentional in your life. It is clinging. It's an aggressive word. It's an intense word. What it's doing is the picture being painted here is of a a race, a runner, an athlete. And that athlete is trying to run down the path of God's will, the path of God's glory, and the sin is clinging and it's trying to hold the runner back. It's trying to pull the runner down. It's trying to trip the runner up. This is, this is an active sin It's not just kind of hiding out back in the corner, hoping it's never noticed, even though you're now saved kind of a position. No, this is, this is a sin that's after it. So sin remains and sin is active. But thirdly, it's not only active, it is aggressive. It is aggressive. Galatians 5.17, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. The desires of the flesh in the believer is against the Holy Spirit that lives in the believer. And the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. You see here, sin is not only active and intentional. Sin is aggressive and relentless. You see... If the Spirit of God is living in you, and if you're a believer, the Spirit of God is living in you. There's a battle going on between that Holy Spirit and the sin principle that is living within you. It has to. It has to. By the nature of who they are, it has to happen. And then... Number four, why must, why should every believer be battling the sin within? And that is because sin defiles us. Sin defiles us. Second Corinthians 7, 1, since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. Do you see both sides of the equation here? There is both the idea that we should not be doing something. We need to 
cleanse ourselves. We need to get rid of the sin that is in us that defiles us. But that's not all that it says. It says that we also should be about bringing holiness to completion. That is proactive, aggressively moving forward in our Christian life. So you've got these two things taking place there in the believer that is seeking to kill the sin within. There is a negative aspect, meaning they are against the things that are opposed to God, and that there's a radical positive aspect, that they are for the things that glorify God. So here's the cliff notes, then what I'm trying to say here. The cliff notes is this. You are either killing the sin within or the sin within is sinking its talons deeper into you. It is either one or the other. It's not static. You are either going toward the perfecting of holiness in your life or you are allowing sin to get its tentacles deeper into you. So if the perfecting, the moving forward of holiness, you know, holiness, God saved you, Christ died for you, the Spirit applied that work of Christ's sacrifice to your life, if you have been saved for the purpose of you becoming holy. Not just for the purpose of you getting to heaven. He wanted you right here on this earth to begin living the way that you are already existing in the spiritual realm. He wants that chasm between who you already are spiritually and the way that you're living here in the flesh. He wants this walk down here to more and more model the reality of who you are there. And so, if that's the case, have any of us arrived? I'm just going to let Paul answer that at the end of his life. Remember who Paul is. Paul is arguably the greatest saint of history. The man who arguably had the greatest understanding of the truth of Jesus Christ, of any man that ever drew breath. The man that arguably was the most faithful servant following his conversion, who worked harder for Christ than anyone else. The, the man who was used in arguably some of the most powerful ways that any human has ever been used in the hands of the Holy Spirit. The man who had revelations, exceedingly great revelations from God that he couldn't even talk about. And what does that man say about himself? Philippians 3.12, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ has made me his own. So have we arrived? If Paul is saying, boy, I've got some distance to cover yet in my own holiness what must we be saying? 
So here's the main point. If I could put all of those five statements into one basic idea, it's this. The killing of sin within is for the every believer. It's for the new believer and it's for the very best of believers. And everybody in between, the one that is just taking his first step and the one that is furthest down the road, the reality is that both of them and everybody in between them, every believer needs to be killing the sin within. That it is a serious battle that needs to be taking place regardless of where you're at, because if you could see sin from the perspective of God, you would see how important, how vital, how significant that battle is that's going on within you. If we could, if we could just right here this morning, if God would just Maybe do one of two things. If he would take us and just dip us in hell for a second. We'd come out smoking white hot against sin. I promise you that. And if he would rip the heavens open and let us for just a second see the reality of what's coming and his glory. we would see our sin in a radically different light than we're seeing it right now. Ask Isaiah, he'd tell you that. Isaiah chapter 6. Ask Paul as he gets up and dusts off his robes from his trip to Damascus, he'd tell you that. So we need to be, every believer, killing the sin within consistently, diligently, aggressively. Last question. What is absolutely necessary for sin, the sin within to be killed? What is absolutely necessary Necessary. What is necessary every time? What is the one overarching principle toward the killing of sin within in the believer's life that if this principle is not in place, if this is not the principle that is activating whatever you do in the attempt to kill the sin within, if this isn't there, it ain't happening. Paul tells us right there in Romans chapter 8, 13. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body. You see, the only way that the sin within the believer can be killed, can be mortified in the words of John Owens, 
The only way that can happen is that it has to be done by the Spirit of God. I don't, let me clarify that. I don't mean you use him. I mean, he has to do it. But here is the interesting dichotomy here. Romans 8, 13. There is a call to us. We talked about that last week. We are told to do something here. Put to death. That in the Greek is in the present tense. It means this is what you're to continuously be doing. You're to be continuously engaged for your entire Christian life in a mortal battle with sin within. And at the same time, he says, but the way that that has to happen is that it has to be done by the Spirit. Yes, you have a responsibility. Yes, you have to engage this. Yes, you have to be proactive. You have to do what it is you need to do. But as you do that, as you do what you need to do to kill the sin within, you have to do it in a way that enables the Spirit to do the killing because only he can do the killing. Now that's a little hard concept to get around, but that's going to be a thread woven through all the stuff we're going to talk about from this point forward. That is the concept that has to be in place. So we're going to work hard at trying to understand what that means That's why we can't just go to a few things to say, here, do these to kill the sin. If you're not understanding this concept and operating internally in your own heart and mind with this concept, you're not going to kill any sin. In fact, it's going to be a dangerous exercise for you. Because knowledge will puff up. Or you'll be discouraged and defeated. It's got to be done by the Spirit. So we have to take a role in it. We have to be engaged in it. We have to take up arms and say, I am going to do this. I'm going to consistently, not intermittently, but it's going to be the reality of my Christian existence. I'm going to be about the killing of sin, but I'm going to be about doing it in a way that brings about the killing work of the Spirit to do the job. So what we're going to talk about is how to do that, how to come at the killing of sin in such a way that it is the work itself of the Spirit that does the killing. But the general principle there, get it deeply seated, is your absolute dependence upon the Spirit of God to do this. Your absolute dependence upon the Spirit of God to be engaged in the killing of sin within.
We'll stop right there for this morning. Would you please stand, worship team? Would you come up? What is God speaking to your heart? Please hear this, church. Please, please. Try to hear the words and the sincerity of my heart here. I want to tell you why I'm preaching on this. Because God told me to preach the Romans. I'm so convinced that he told me to do that. And what I'm not comfortable doing is preaching down through Romans and saying, okay, God, but not this verse right here. I, you know, just, just, you know, I'll do most of the other ones, but can we just kind of detour? No. Who would I be to do that? My heart is to give you the full counsel of the word of God. And some of those are incredibly encouraging words and some of them are hard words to hear. But I am not pointing a finger at anybody in here. I want to come alongside you and help equip you to do what I am working at getting equipped to do through this study is to kill my own sin within through the power of the Spirit. And I want to help you in that. I want us to go together in that process to be committed as we go through this to say, I am going to do what God is asking me to do here from his word and get committed and aggressive about killing the sin within. I I want to go and pray about it. I, I hope some of you guys want to pray about it. Some of you want to step out and pray about it and come and talk to God about what he's talking to you about. You're welcome to do that as we sing. Go ahead, Brother Ashley.